0: All right, if you have your Bibles, the book of Mark, chapter 3 tonight. The book of Mark, chapter 3. We've been studying treasures from the book of Mark. And in our study of Mark, we have slowed to study this list of disciples that Jesus is giving, uh, that's ordaining them. Look in Mark, chapter 3, and verse, verse number 13. He goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him, Whom he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out devils. And Simon he surnamed Peter, and James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, and he surnamed them Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder and Andrew. Now, we'll stop right there. Those four are your first group of four, and they're found in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Acts, always grouped in the same group. The order may change a little, but they're always the first four. Then the next four, Philip. He's always the leader of group two. Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas. That's group two in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Acts. And then the Bible says James, the son of Alphaeus, he's also known as James the Less, Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, also known as the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into a house. That's your third group of four. They're all important, but it's an encouraging study to me because we learn from this list that God chooses imperfect people to carry out his work. Oftentimes we put the disciples up on this big high pedestal and we're intimidated by them. We put them in stained glass windows and we set them on high. But the truth is these men were not perfect men and neither are you and neither am I. All of God's saints have flaws and failures, and warts, if I could say it like that. One time President Lincoln, I believe it was a wart on his right cheek that he had, and someone was coming in to to draw and to paint a portrait of him, and the man stopped and looked and stopped and looked and stopped. He said, go ahead and draw it. It's there, right? All of us have warts in our lives and flaws and failures, but God sees past our faults. He sees past our warts, And he works in our lives, and I'm so thankful. You may say, Preacher, I was with you all the way to right there. Well, I would remind you that Noah, a man that loved God, got drunk. I would remind you that Abraham was a friend of God. He lied about his relationship with his wife, tried to pass her off as his sister. And then on another occasion, he committed really adultery with Hagar to try to help God out and give him a promised child. I won't even get into Isaac or Jacob who deceived his father. What about Moses? He was a murderer. And what about uh, how God said, I want you to speak to the rock? And out of anger, he struck the rock. Failed God and didn't get to go into the promised land. What about Samson overcome with lust? David committed adultery with Bathsheba, not to mention the countless others that he had. Solomon was the biggest polygamist of them all. Uh, Jonah disobeyed God, got swallowed by a whale. Paul, before he got saved, persecuted the church, probably was responsible for stoning Stephen to death. James was intolerant and prejudiced. John, you're going to see him tonight. Little John is so narrow-minded. I could go on and on and on. i got to get off this. It's a long list of men who are not qualified for office. That's why tonight I probably ought to be leaving. Because I'm not qualified to be saved. I'm not qualified to preach. I'm not qualified to stand behind the pulpit. But by the grace of God, this list is about the grace of God and the goodness of God. And you being saved and being in his house on Wednesday night is the grace of Almighty God. Thank God for it tonight. What this proves is failure is not final as long as there is the grace of God. God uses imperfect people with failures, flaws, and faults. It's called grace. Listen to this. Longfellow, the poet, he could take a worthless piece of paper, write a poem on it, and it would be worth thousands of dollars. That's called genius. You take your mechanic. He can take a little piece of material that's worth just a few dollars, put it on your car, and make it worth thousands, and it's called skill. An artist can take a 50 cent piece of canvas, paint a picture on it, and it's worth thousands of dollars and it's called art. But only Jesus can take a worthless, sinful life, wash it in his blood, put his spirit in it, and make it pricely and call it redemption. That's the grace of God. Amen. There are three men in the New Testament by the name of John. Tonight we're going to study John. John, thunderous love. John, thunderous love. Love. He is a son of thunder. What we need is some thunder in the church. But that thunder must be tempered thunder. Tempered by the love and the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. Three men in the New Testament named John. There's John the Baptist. We're reading right here in the book of Mark. His name is John Mark. And then there's John the beloved apostle who wrote the book of John. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And fifthly, the book of Revelation. John, called the son of of thunder, had a life that was transformed. Amen. That means changed. Had a life that was tempered by the love of Christ. I want to say three things tonight. Move quickly. We'll be done. Number one tonight, I want us to think about the love of Christ that called him. Now, in this text, we see James, the son of Zebedee, and John... The brother of James. So John's brother was James. And every time you see, James is always listed first. James is probably the older brother. He's a bit more dominant. He's a bit more directional. Uh, But John is wired pretty tight too. He's called the son of thunder by the Lord Jesus Christ. There, There is strength That a younger brother can draw from the older brother is a passing down of thunder in the family. I'm talking about the thunder of conviction, uh, the thunder of drive, and the thunder of energy. And there's no doubt John had a lot of thunder to pick up in his family from his brother James. John's father, his name is Zebedee according to this text. When I read about Zebedee, he's a hard-working father that has a fishing business on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. They've come from the region of Bethsaida, which means house of fish, and in the region of Capernaum. This business is large enough, and he's blessed enough to have his sons working with him. He has other fishing partners. He has Simon Peter and Andrew. Let me take time out. How would you like to have Simon Peter for a fishing partner? I bet that'd be pretty tough. You must be a pretty strong-willed man, Zebedee, to be able to tell Simon Peter what he needs to do in the fishing business. Amen. And it was also large enough, the Bible says, that they had other hired hands. Strong sons come out of families with strong fathers. They also had a mother by the name of Salome. We studied about her last week. She was a woman that was at the foot of the cross when Jesus died. She was a woman that went to the tomb of Jesus when it was empty that first Easter morning. Thank God for a strong mother that John had. A strong son comes from a strong mother. If you're a strong mother, you're a strong daddy. Expect to have some strong youngins, amen? Amen? Jesus is strong. Amen. God Almighty is strong. God plans on having some strong children. So we see his call, his family. Look at his favor. Now, if we went back and studied it, we won't turn. But John was a, originally, and Andrew, were originally disciples of John the Baptist. Oh, yes, they were. And John the Baptist one day was baptizing in the River Jordan and people were lined up and they would walk into that river confessing their sins, getting right with God and then being baptized by John the Baptist. And standing in that line, walking down to the water while people are confessing their sins, in walked one who had no sin to confess. And John said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. And we know that the dove descended, amen, And the voice of God the Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. From that point, John the Baptist, the last Old Testament prophet, points his two followers, John the Beloved and Andrew, to go follow Jesus. And to go seek Jesus. And that's exactly what they began to do. To try to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. May I say this? John would be called here. He's being ordained. Verse 14. He's being ordained. He's the youngest. Not just the youngest brother. He's the youngest of all the disciples. It's amazing in a group of ragtag, rough, raw men. What they'll make the youngest one do. They'll kind of make him do more of the work. That's the way it works, y'all. Don't look at me funny. That's the way it works. We give that one the hardest time until he grows up in the position and somebody else comes along. Anyway, tonight we are saved by grace. We serve by grace. God puts us in office, puts us in place. He puts us there by his precious grace. It is the grace of God. I'm reading right now. God gave me a verse while I'm standing here. I want you to read Psalm 75. Turn there. Turn there. I said tonight, God may give us a verse or something and we're just going to have to preach from it. So God says, turn to Psalm 75. Let's read what God's Word says. It's not in my notes. Psalm 75 and verse number 6. Look at it. For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God, verse 7, but God is the judge he putteth down one and he setteth up, up another. In God's time, by God's grace, he chooses who he wants to serve, when and where. There is a Listen, there's a time to be born, there's a time to die, there's a time to laugh, there's a time to cry. Amen. I'm telling you, this thing is very seasonal, which we go through. If you're having a bad season right now, just hang on. I have good news for you. Help is on the way. Amen? Preacher, got all, you got all that from John. I got all that from the Holy Ghost. Now let's go back to our text in Mark chapter 3. We've, we discussed the love of Christ that called him. There's John's family. There's John's favor. I'm thinking about John's fervency. They are nicknamed by the Lord Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder. And they got that nickname because of their fiery zeal. Oftentimes when we think about John, the beloved disciple, we think about that one that laid his head on Jesus' bosom and would grow so close to the Lord. But if that's your image of John, you're mistaken. Because John did not get the nickname Sons of Thunder because he was laid back and passive. Oh no, he's a man of passion. He's a man of bigger. He's a man of energy. He is a man of intensity. Boy, we need that in the church. I went back and looked at You know what thunder means? It means commotion. The sons of commotion. I've got some of them in my classroom over at the school. I'm talking about high strung energy. You know what thunder is? It's a loud noise exploding over the power of other voices. Booming. Sometimes you want to get around family and say, use your inside voice. Amen? When we get in the house of God, that's when you want to use your inside voice, but you ought to be willing to praise God. And John was outspoken. John would praise God if you dropped a hat. He'd say, Praise God for a dropped hat. I'm telling you, he had a voice that boomed over others. When he spoke, People listen to what he had to say. He's a son of thunder, a man of passion, a man of intensity. He's a rugged fisherman, brash, hard edged, aggressive, ambitious. Now, let's just note this then about his fervency. If you look at Luke chapter 9, you're going to read about some disciples that the Lord, in verse number 51, Jesus has set his face to go to Jerusalem. He's going to the cross. The straightest way from where he is to Jerusalem is to go through a village of the Samaritans. And the Jews and the Samaritans hate each other. And somebody goes ahead and says, Hey, the Lord's wanting to pass through. They said, Well, he's welcome to come through our village. Well, he's not stopping here. He's going to Jerusalem. Oh, no? A Jew going to a Jewish city through, through our coast, through our lands, through our regions? No, we reject him. So they rejected Jesus Passing through their village. I preach to people probably every Sunday, somebody rejects Jesus passing through their lives. The Bible says, you're with me in Luke chapter 9. We want to look in verse number 54. This is after they look at verse 53. They did not receive him because his face was though he would go through Jerusalem and uh, go to Jerusalem when his disciples, who are they? James and John. Who are they? Sons of thunder. When they saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? They're saying, Lord, we want to have a church barbecue. Amen? We're going to fry a few people. A lot of us are in the pulpit. Our intention is to get up and try to blow it out and fry a few people. But we need to get up here and preach the love of God John, it's good to have passion. John, it's good to have intensity. John, your thunder's great. Your zeal is wonderful. But zeal without knowledge is dangerous. Just to get up and thunder away is dangerous. You need to be tempered. Your thunder needs to be tempered. It needs to have the love of Christ in it. Look what Jesus said. He rebuked him, verse 55. He said, you know not what spirit you are of, for the Son of Man has come not to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Here's a man that was filled with intent, indifference. He, he was there to, but Lord, he was protecting Christ's honor. I'm going to argue with people because I'm protecting Christ's honor. Honey, Jesus don't need you to protect his honor, Jesus needs you to show the love of God. That is what protects his honor. Amen? Let's read let's, read, let's read, let's go back to Mark. Let's go to chapter 9, the book of Mark. This one grabbed, hold, grabbed my attention too. The book of Mark, chapter number 9. Not only did he have a vindictive attitude filled with indifference, willing to burn people up. Listen, James and John did not have missionary hearts that other people would experience the grace of God. They were like, you need to get it, get it now. Look with, listen, there are things in my life that I have wrestled with for years to get understanding and wisdom that I might get victory over. And I see another believer struggle in that area, and I'm ready to pass judgment on them. It took me 20 years to figure it out, and I think they're going to figure it out in three days. And I'm going to bring judgment on them? It's foolish. It's, I'm just telling you, you got to have wisdom if you're going to be the man of God and if you're going to be a Christian to help other people. In the book of Mark, chapter 9, in verse 38, verse 38. John answered him, saying, Mark 9, 38, I want you to see it. John, who? John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us. And we forbade him, because he followeth not us. Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. John was so narrow-minded, a gnat could kick out both eyes with one kick. That's the way a lot of Baptists are. That's how I can get so descriptive. They're so broad-minded when it comes to their lives, but when it comes to somebody else's lives, they're this narrow-minded. It's unbelievable. And John was so narrow-minded. He said, Lord, that man was casting out a demon in your name, but I told him not. He couldn't do that. I I rebuked him because he don't follow us. Let me tell you something, Bethel. You're not the only church. Amen? Baptists, you're not the only way. Amen. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. I know you're going to get mad. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 and verse number 35. Mark 10, verse 35. We're just talking about now his fervency. He's the son of thunder. I'm showing you his faults, his flaws. If I'd have wrote the word of God, I'd have left that part out. But we're making these, these disciples to be stained glass saints, and you need to see. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him saying, Master, we would that thou shouldst do for us whatsoever we shall desire. He said to them, What would you that I should do for you? They said unto him, grant unto us that we may sit one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. You see that? They're wanting to be lifted up, ambition over everybody else. Jesus said unto them, you don't know what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of? Can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? And they said unto him, we can. You know what he's talking about? Jesus talking about he's going to die. He's going to die on the cross for the sins of mankind. And then he's going to have to be baptized into death that he might be raised back on the, on the first day of the week, victory over death, hell, and the grave. And those boys said, we can handle it. And Jesus goes on to tell them, one day you will be baptized, baptized into my baptism. James, the brother of John, was the first disciple to be martyred. Herod chopped his head off. He beheaded him in the book of Acts. Okay. The next one, he arrested Simon Peter intending to put him to death and the angel come and release Simon Peter from the jail that very night. I'm telling you, John, John ended up being the last one to die. James was first, John was last. Sons of thunder, the bookends of the disciples. Okay, it was not Simon Peter that did these things. Look at verse 41. When the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. Have you ever been displeased with a neighbor, a brother or sister in Christ? It's not Peter who did these things, it's John. He's young, he's vibrant, he's intense, he's ambitious, he's he's selfish. Uh, I'm just going to say, John walked closely with the Lord, but many times he's out of tune. You ever been there? Trying to walk closely with the Lord and you find somehow that you're more out of tune than you are in tune? And a lot of times when you think you are in tune and you get up to try, you're more out of tune than you thought you was. Hey, man, I got my second point. I preached too long on my first. Number, Number two, I see the love of Christ captivated John. It not just called him, but it captivated him. Your thunder must be tempered. Preacher Darren, what do you mean tempered? It's good to have that zeal and, and that, that, that energy and that intensity and that passion. Thank God for it. I'd rather have that. Thank you, Lord. i had rather you have passion and zeal than me try to raise the dead. Amen. Right? It is easier for God to temper your zeal than have to raise. He can do anything. But it's, I'd, rather, I'd rather go to a church that's got zeal and excitement than a dead church. Amen? Amen? And so John's got excitement, but he's got to be tempered. How's he going to temper it? God will temper you with time. God will temper you with truth. And God will temper you, temper you through trials. And as you grow and mature in the faith, you, you look back at your life and you see where you are now and where you are then. And you tell me if God didn't use time, truth, and trials in your life to teach you more about him. Now watch what happens here. In John chapter number 13, here's a man a fiery intolerance and he's being transformed he's being tempered into a loving disciple of all the gospel writers John used the word love more than anybody he's a disciple of love look with me in John chapter 13 verse number 34 you're going to see that it's only John that records this Jesus is speaking in verse 34 a new commandment I give unto you That you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another. John, you think calling fire down on a village is love. John, you think you getting on the left and your brother getting on the right is love. I'm telling you, it's love is treating each other equally. Love is putting others before you. John said, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. John recorded twice that God, is love. His life was transformed. His life was tempered. His thunder was tempered. It was controlled, thunder, by love. What about um, truth? He used truth more than the other as well. I think about John chapter 14. Look what John recorded. Others didn't record it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, They didn't record it, but John did. John 14, verse 6. Look what he said. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus, look at John 12, 32. If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. The other gospel writers could have written it, but only John. You know why? Because he's transformed and tempered by truth. And he's transformed and tempered by love. What about faith? He used the words believe more than any other disciple. Look at this verse of scripture. I don't know if you've ever read this one or not. John chapter 3, look at this one, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is believe, believe, believe. 1 John five thirteen. These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. John is a disciple of humility. Listen to this. In John's gospel, you never see him use his own name. He used the name of John the Baptist But he never recorded his own name. It's not about I, 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 I. You know what he's transformed by? You know what he's tempered by? Humility. We'd go a long way to learn some humility. You think about it. In the book of Mark chapter 5, Jesus is going to Jairus' house. His little 12-year-old daughter is dead. And Jesus took three. Peter, James, and John. You'd think that'd be something to text somebody about. Let me, let me tell you where I was today. Jesus asked me to go with him to Jairus' house. He put all the unbelievers out. Oh yes, yes it was me. And all the unbelievers left and Jesus said be raised. He grabbed the boy by the hand and the boy sat up and began to Ministering or the little girl set up and began to come out, and the little girl set up and began to minister. Jairus' daughter, 12 years old, was just raised. And I was there. I was. John doesn't even record that event. Not there. Why well, he should have. He thought somebody might think he's bragging. So he left that part out. What about when they went to the Mount of Transfiguration and the Lord took with him three? Peter, James, and John, to see the glory of God. Now it's important. If it's important, if you're going to get close to the Lord, it's important that you see he has power over death. And it's important to see the glory of Jesus Christ. Boy, let me tell you. You're not going to believe it. Jesus invited me. We had such a good time up there. We've been on revival fire. I'm going to make Facebook posts all day long and tell you what I've been up to. Not John. He's transformed by humility. You see it? He never records what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration? It's never been about I, I, I. It's been about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, preacher recording that would be about Jesus. He said, make no mistake about it. Matthew told you, Mark told you, Luke told you, third, third person, that's great. But I don't have to, I got other ways to tell you. Let me tell you about his love. Let me tell you about the, what we ought to have. We ought to have faith. We ought to have truth. That's what we need to have. That's what we need to have in him. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Well, it got quiet. Listen, the Garden of Gethsemane. Garden of Gethsemane, go with me. John chapter number 18. That's that great chapter. John chapter 18. We know Jesus took with him three. He went a little further, took all of them. Then went a little further, took Peter, James, and John. He said, set ye here while I shall go yonder and pray. When he came back, they were asleep. You remember the story. Look what John says about it. John 18, just interesting. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Kidron which was at a, where was a garden into which he entered and his disciples, and Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said to them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am your words, your Bible italicized he he said i am you know who he is he is i am that i am and judas also which betrayed him stood with him and as soon as he had said that i am he they went backward fell to the ground john never said we peter james and john were the ones in the garden of gethsemane isn't that crazy I'm telling you, I I speak too much about me and not enough about him. And I'm guilty of it. As I prepared for this message, I had to get on my face under my desk. and I said, oh, God, how foolish have I been in my life the many times I said. Let me tell you, I was in such and such service. And I was, I've done it so many times with Adam. I'm so sorry. I'm such a fool. And you know what the sad part is? I'll probably do it again. But John never did it. Here's a man of intensity, a man of passion, a man of energy, a man of life and vigor. He's never bragging about self. He's always bragging about Jesus Christ. Always. Let me show you five times. I won't preach all five of them. I just want to reach maybe two. You see, John has been thrust into being used by the church. I can read to you Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, where when uh, Paul first got saved, Barnabas took him and received him because nobody else had anything to do with him. And when he came to the church, there were three people that greeted him. Peter, James, and John, which gave him the right hands of fellowship. They were considered the pillars of the church. You know why? Because their thunder got tempered. Now, I just want to read a couple of these. Look at John. We were in John 13 already. I wish I'd stay. John 13, verse 21. John 13, verse 21. I'm almost done. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say to you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. You see what he did to describe himself? I am one of his disciples. He didn't say, I was leaning on, no. One of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast said unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, he it is to whom I shall give a sop and when I have dipped it. And we know that was Judas Iscariot, son of perdition, okay? John chapter 18, I could go on and on. John chapter 18, verses 15 and 16. Simon Peter followed Jesus. Now he's been arrested. So did another disciple. See that? That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus under the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without. Then went out with that other disciple which was known, that, see what he called himself? That other disciple. I, I, I can read John chapter 19 verses 25 through 27. John chapter 20 verses 2 and 6. Look at John 21. I'll read this last one. John 21. John 21, verse 20. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved. What, who is he? The disciple whom Jesus loved. He didn't say, I. He's a humble man. Which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus said unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Let me tell you something, he did not have to tell John to follow him. You know what he told John? When John was at the foot of the cross, Jesus hanging on the cross, he said, woman, behold thy son, and said to John, behold thy mother. The instruction he gave to the son of thunder, tempered by love, was take my Take them you take Mary to be your mother adopt her as your mother treat her as you would treat your mother you treat your mother with love and respect and honor treat my mother with love respect and honor He didn't say John follow me God oh, man that's so huge Simon Peter was one who would veer off the way and he told Simon Peter you need to follow me look at the end of this look at the end of this this is what <clears throat> verse 24 this is the disciple which testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. There are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Remember when they were going to, the, to, 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 to pray, and, 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 and they, Peter and John, and they said silver and gut. Silver silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they grabbed that man by his right hand, and up he stood, leaping and praising God, entered into the house of God. He was a man who was faithful to pray. He was a man filled with boldness. He was a man tempered, amen. The Bible says about them, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were unlearned, ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been With Jesus. Thirdly, and I'm done. The love of Christ compelled him. Now, I just pointed out that the Lord told Simon Peter three times, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. But he never had to tell John to follow him to do anything. John was sentenced to die by the Roman emperor Diocletian, or Domitian, Domitian, for preaching. And he put him in a cauldron of oil and everybody would witness John the preacher burning, melting in a burning hot cauldron of oil and he started preaching and the oil never burned him they had to pull him out and say I just didn't kill him I don't know why Amen. sometimes we preacher I'm going to get a witness right here, Brother Adam. Have you ever felt like you're in a burning cauldron of oil where you're trying to preach to the people because they don't want to hear what you got to say and you feel like you're just going to melt down, but God said, preach anyway, and God got you through it. You ever been there? They took him and they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos, and he thinks it's completely over for him, and when he gets there, God says, start writing the things which are and the things which shall be. I want you to record it all. Thank God for the book of Revelation. The Lord said in Revelation twenty two twenty, 20, Surely I come quickly. And John replied, Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. They had an emperor change. Nerva came to office in Rome. And Nerva, upon hearing John exiled to the Isle of Patmos, he tried to do some righteous things. He released him from the Isle of Patmos, and John was able to come back to Ephesus where he began to preach and serve as a pastor or as assistant or associate pastor there of that church, and he died a natural death. There's a lot about John in all of us. Tempestuous outbursts. Oh, don't act like you don't have them. You sit here tonight like, I don't ever get upset. Get you on the middle of I-26 in the middle of road construction, traffic going on, get cut off. Let's see if you're known to have a tempestuous outburst. Let a deer run out in front of you without any insurance. Preacher, how do you know? I've hit a couple in my day. Had an insurance company drop me. Deer don't have insurance. And I'm telling you, you'll have some tempestuous outbursts. Let a referee make a wrong call against your favorite team. See if you don't get a little bit upset. We've got to learn to be tempered. We've got to learn to speak the truth in love. And may I say last of all tonight, what kind of people do God use? People that are ordinary, common people that have failures and faults and flaws. You look at your life. You think some of the mistakes that you make over and over again, some bad ones that you've made, And yet God has looked at you tonight and he said, it's not over for you. I used John when he wanted to call down fire. And that's still recorded about him to this day. I used John when he was filled with indignation. I used John to be the disciple of love. God can still use your life if you'd let him. But sometimes we want to sit here and say, well, I don't need that. I'm I'm perfect. I love everybody. Well, I'm doing great, man. In fact, in fact, maybe I'm not even really worried. I'm telling you, we'll all need this message at some time or another. And you're going to see a little bit of the disciples in every single one of us. I'm asking you to stand to your feet tonight. Father, we thank you for the good word of God. We thank you for a fresh dose of encouragement from the word of God. That, Father, failure is not final. When I read this list of men who are filled with passion and intensity... Lord, I, I think about maybe even uh, Saul of Tarsus was a, was a man who lived for religion, a man of, of great education. But God, when you saved him, you turned all the intensity and the passion, you tempered it and used them for the glory of God. And Father, I pray tonight, God, that you would use our lives. God, to share the gospel and to be an encouragement. and God, that we might have wisdom to speak a wise word in a due season. Lord, I pray, God, you would help us, Father, to be more Christ-centered rather than self-centered. It's amazing in this Christmas season how often we focus on self and our schedule and what we must do. Lord, let us realize that we're only here because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I love you tonight, and I confess to you, I already have, I'll do it again, my sin my faults, my failures, God, my self-centeredness, Lord, my ambition of self. God, please forgive and help us, God, that that thunder in the church might be tempered and used in love and faith and humility. Lord, we ask your blessing now upon our study. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. amen.